G'day, and welcome to the AOS Coach sneak peek into the 2023 Soulblight Gravelords Battle Tome. Now I've read the nine books of Nagash, and in this video I will Vile Transference your new Allegiance abilities, enhancements, match play rules, key war scroll changes, and the points. Games Workshop did send me a copy of this tome at no cost, however they'll have no editorial involvement. You'll also find in this book it is chock full of art, narrative gem, path to glory, as well as that unique code for you to unlock your rules in the AOS app. Let's start at the Allegiance level and you have five Cursed Bloodline sub-factions in the Legions of Blood, Legion of the Gash, Veercross, Castellai, and Avangori Dynasties. I'll showcase these rules later in the video, but know that your command traits and your artifacts are tied to your Cursed Bloodline. Within the updates of the book, you did lose a few abilities like the Reanimated Horrors, Deadly Coordination, and the Locus of Shayish, but you'll also see in the spell lore there is an alternative if you cast a spell on a 9 or more. Now there has been some changes to the Endless Legions. At the end of the movement phase, you can pick one friendly Soulblight Gravelord summonable unit that has been destroyed and roll a dice. Now add one to the roll if it is your movement phase. If you pick a summonable unit that is not a hero, on a 4+, a replacement unit with half the models from the unit that was destroyed, rounding up, is added to your army. That unit must be set up wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Soulblight Gravelord's hero, or a gravesite and more than 3 inches from all enemy units, and it cannot make a charge or a pile-in move in the same turn. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once, and replacement units themselves cannot be replaced. Alternatively, if you pick a summonable hero on a 4+, you can set up that hero wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Soulblight Gravelord's hero, or a gravesite, more than 3 inches from all enemy units, and with 3 wounds allocated to it. That hero cannot attempt to charge or make a pile-in move in the same turn, and you cannot pick the same hero to benefit from this ability more than once per battle. So it seems like Endless Legions has gotten a little easier, and I'm pretty sure returning a summonable hero is a new feature to the Endless Legions. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you also are now summoning in the movement phase where before you used to summon in the Battleshock phase? I don't think the Unquiet Dead rule has changed, but just in case, after territories are determined, you can pick up to two points within your territory and up to two points anywhere on the battlefield outside of your territory to be grave sites. Now each grave site must be more than one inch from all terrain features and objectives. If both players can set up grave sites at the same time, or if one player can set up faction terrain features at the same time as the other player with the grave sites, you must roll off, and the winner gets to choose who gets to set up their faction terrain or grave sites first. During deployment, instead of setting up a Soulblight Gravelord summonable unit, skeleton, zombies, direwolves, just to name a few, instead of putting them on the battlefield, you can put them to the side and say that they are in reserve in the grave. You can set up one unit in the grave for each unit that is set up on the battlefield, and at the end of your movement phase you can set up one or more of those reserve units in the grave on the battlefield, as long as they're wholly within 12 inches of a gravesite and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. 
With Deadly Invocation, in your hero phase, you can pick up to three friendly Soulblight Gravelord summonable units that are wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Soulblight Gravelord's hero. You can heal up to three wounds allocated to the unit, or if no wounds are allocated to that unit, you can return a number of slain models to it with a combined wounds characteristic of three or less. Add one to the number of slain models that are returned for that unit if they are wholly within 12 inches of a gravesite. You cannot pick the same unit to benefit from this ability more than once per phase. If you remember it from the old book, there was a varying scale depending on if it was like a vampire or a Mortark or a necromancer. Now it's just that flat three unless you're within 12 inches of the gravesite. Next up with Deathless Minions, your friendly Soulblight Gravelord units have a ward of 6+. plus. That hasn't changed. There are two spell laws like there was in the old book. You have the set of spells for your vampires and a set of spells for your death mages. Now I'm going to brace you here now because the spell law has shrunk by about 50%. With the lore of the vampires being vampire wizards only, including your unique heroes, you have Soul Pike, Vile Transference, and Spirit Gale. Soul Pike is a spell with a casting value of 6 and a range of 24. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, if that unit makes a charge move, roll a number of dice equal to the charge roll for that charge move. For each 4+, plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. If the unmodified casting roll for the spell is a 9+, and this spell isn't unbound, you can pick two different enemy units within range instead of one. Vile Transference is a spell with a casting value of 6 and a range of 9. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Roll a number of dice equal to that unit's wounds characteristic. For each 5+, that unit suffers one mortal wound, and you can heal one wound allocated to the caster. If the unmodified casting roll for the spell is a 9+, plus and this spell is not unbound, the target suffers one mortal wound, and you can heal one wound allocated to the caster on a 4+, plus instead of a 5+. plus. Finally, Spirit Gale has a casting value of 7. If successfully cast, each enemy unit on the battlefield suffers one mortal wound. If the unmodified casting roll for the spell is a 9+, plus and this spell is not unbound, after the effects of the spell have been resolved, you can immediately resolve the effects of the spell for a second time. If you play with the old book, you probably notice you lost Blades of Shayish, Amistine Pinions, and Amaranthian Orb. Though Pinions is probably the only spell you might miss. Then on the other side, you have the Lore of the Death Mages, which is available to your Death Mages, including your unique units as well. You've got Fading Vigor, Prison of Grief, and Waste Away, which is a new spell. Fading Vigor has a casting value of 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Subtract one from the attack characteristic of that unit's melee weapons to a minimum of one until your next hero phase. If the unmodified casting roll for the spell is a 9+, plus and the spell is not unbound, subtract two from the attack characteristics instead of one, again to a minimum of one. Prison Grief has a casting value of 6 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, the strike last effect applies to that unit. If the unmodified casting roll for the spell is a 9+, plus and it wasn't unbound, the range of the spell is 24 inches instead of 12. 
Finally, Wasting Away, which is a brand new spell, is a casting value of 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, subtract one from the wound roll for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit and subtract one from the damage characteristics of that unit's melee weapons, again to a minimum of one. If the unmodified casting roll for this spell is a 9+, plus and the spell is not unbound, you can pick two different enemy units within range instead of one. And again, for the keen-eyed players who used the old book, you've lost Overwhelming Dread, Spectral Grasp, Decrepify, and Soul Harvest. And as I previously mentioned, Waste Away is a brand new spell that I actually quite like, being able to reduce damage and reducing a wound roll. Now let's dig into your bloodlines, and you have five cursed bloodlines, starting with the Legion of Blood. You get two battle traits, as well as three command traits and three artifacts. Looking at your battle traits, unparalleled expertise. If a friendly Legion of Blood vampire hero is within three inches of an enemy unit, it is bloodthirsty. If a friendly Legion of Blood vampire hero is more than three inches from an enemy unit, it is empowered. Now add one to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used if it is bloodthirsty and add one to the casting, dispelling and unbinding role for that unit if it's empowered. Anyone who played the old White Dwarf rules would remember you had to choose one or the other at list construction. Now you're going to get both depending on if you're within three inches or outside of three of enemy units. The other battle trait is the Coven of New Lamia. At the start of the hero phase, you can carry out one of the heroic actions below for a friendly Legions of Blood vampire hero instead of any other heroic action they could carry out with that hero. Premeditated Bloodshed, you get to pick one friendly Legion of Blood vampire hero. Until the end of this turn, ward rolls cannot be made for wound or mortal wounds caused by attacks made by this hero. The other one is Immortal Majesty. Pick one friendly Legion of Blood vampire hero. Until the end of this turn, your opponent must spend two command points instead of one to issue all that defense and inspiring presence commands to enemy units within 12 inches of this hero. Your three command traits for Legion of Blood Generals are Tailored Downfall, Game Hunter, and Doom Minions. Tailored Downfall, after deployment but before the first battle round begins, you can pick one enemy hero on the battlefield. The strike last effect applies to that unit while it's within three inches of this general. Game Hunter after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can pick one enemy monster that is not a hero. The attack characteristic of this unit's melee weapons is one while it's within three inches of this general. Finally, Doom Minions after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can pick up to D3 enemy units that are not heroes or monsters. Attacks made with melee weapons that target that unit score a hit on an unmodified hit roll of 2+, plus, while that unit is within 3 inches of this general. And your three artifact choices for the Legion of Blood heroes are the Amulet of Screams, Orb of Enchantment, and the Cloak of Mists and Shadows. The Amulet of Screams, roll a dice each time an enemy unit within 18 inches of the bearer successfully casts a spell that is not unbound. On a 3+, plus, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds after the effects of the spell have been resolved. The Orb of Enchantment, once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero within 3 inches of the bearer and roll a dice. On a 3+, plus, that hero cannot be picked to fight in that phase. 
Finally, the Cloak of Mists and Shadows will ignore positive and negative modifiers to save rolls for attacks that target the bearer. With the Legion of Night, you also get battle traits as well as three command traits and three artifacts. This will basically repeat across all of the options of the Cursed Bloodlines. With your battle traits, Ageless Cunning once per turn during the enemy charge phase, after an enemy unit finishes a charge move, you can pick one friendly Legion of Night unit within 12 inches of that enemy unit and more than 3 inches from all enemy units. Now that unit can make a charge. So essentially you're getting a counter charge. Swift form, at the start of the hero phase, you can carry out this heroic action with a friendly Legion of Night vampire hero instead of any other heroic actions that you can carry out with that hero. With swift form, you get to pick two friendly Legion of Night vampire heroes that are more than three inches from all enemy units. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up again on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. Now that hero cannot make a move in the following movement phase. The other battle trait is Into the Jaws of Death. At the end of the charge phase, you can carry out this monstrous rampage with a friendly Legion of Night Zombie Dragon or Legion of Night Terrorgeist instead of any other monstrous rampages you can carry out with that unit. If you pick Into the Jaws of Death, pick one enemy unit within 6 inches of this unit that made a charge move in this phase and rolled 2d6. Now add 3 to the roll if that enemy unit is within half an inch of this unit. If the roll is greater than the unmodified charge roll for the charge move, this unit can attack with its Pestilence Breath or Shrieking Death in this phase and it must target the enemy unit. The command traits for your Legion of Night Generals are Above Suspicion, The Bait and Unbending Will. Above Suspicion during deployment, instead of setting up this general on the battlefield, you can place them to one side and say that they are set up in ambush as a reserve. If you do so at the end of your movement phase, you can set up this general on the battlefield more than 9 inches from all enemy units. With the bait, while the general is on the battlefield, add 1 to the save rolls and ward rolls for attacks that target friendly Legion of Night summonable units in the first battle round. And then with Unbending Will, models in a friendly Legion of Night summonable units count as two models instead of one for the purpose of contesting objectives while they're wholly within 12 inches of this general. Your Legion of Night artifacts are the Shard of Night, Chiropteran Cloak, and Morbheg's Claw. Shard of Night ignore negative modifiers to save rolls for attacks made with missile weapons that target the bearer. Chiropteran Cloak, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon that targets the bearer is a 1, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all the attacks have been resolved. And Morbheg's Claw in your hero phase, if the bearer is more than three inches from all enemy units, you can say that they'll carve sigils into the ground using Morbheg's Claws. If you do so, add two to the casting roll for friendly Legion of Night Wizards wholly within 12 inches of the bearer until your next hero phase. However, the bearer cannot make a normal move, run or retreat, or attempt to charge until your next hero phase. Next up is the Veercross Dynasties. Your battle traits are the strength of the wolf is a pack. 
In the combat phase, after a friendly Veercross hero has fought for the first time in that phase, you can pick one friendly Veercross unit that has not yet fought in the combat phase that is within three inches of an enemy unit and is wholly within 12 inches of that friendly Veercross hero. That unit can immediately fight. It's worth noting that if the unit you pick to fight immediately is a Veercross hero, after that unit has fought, you cannot use this ability to pick another Veercross unit to fight immediately. The other ability is the infamous lineage. At the start of your hero phase, you can carry out one of the heroic actions below with a friendly Veercross vampire hero instead of any other heroic actions that you can carry out with that hero. Now there are two choices here. You've got the pack alpha and the kin of the wolf. With pack alpha, pick one friendly Veercross vampire hero. Then pick one friendly Veercross Deathwalkers unit within 12 inches of that hero and visible to them. You can add D3 models to that unit. It's worth calling out that this ability allows friendly Veercross Deathwalkers units to be taken above its maximum unit size. The other ability you can choose from is Kin of the Wolf. Pick one friendly Veercross Vampire hero. If you do so, you can add one unit of 10 Die Wolves to your army. The unit must be set up wholly within 9 inches of the hero carrying out the heroic action, and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. The Die Wolves unit cannot move in the following movement phase, and you cannot carry out this heroic action more than once per battle. Your Veercross command traits are driven by Death Stench, Hunter's Snare, and Spore Trackers. Driven by Death Stench, you can reroll charge rolls for friendly Veercross units wholly within 9 inches of this general. Hunter's Snare for the purpose of contesting objectives, this general counts as a number of models equal to their wounds characteristic. And Spore Trackers, at the start of your hero phase, friendly Veercross Deathwalker units wholly within 9 inches of this general can make a normal move up to 3 inches. And your Veercross artifacts are Ulfenkari Flactory, Terminus Cloak, and the standard of the Ulfen Watch. Ulfenkari Flactory, add one to the ward rolls for friendly Veercross summonable units for the purposes of the Deathless Minion ward save, which is your 6+, plus, while they're wholly within 9 inches of the bearer. Terminus Clock, at the start of the enemy hero phase, you can say that the bearer will stop the Terminus Clock. If you do so, roll a dice on a 3+, plus, until the end of that phase, subtract one from casting rolls for that enemy wizards. Standard of the Orphan Watch, if the bearer is on the battlefield, you can roll a dice each time your opponent spends a command point. On a 4+, you receive one extra command point. Next up is your Castellite Dynasty, starting with your battle traits. With the Might of the Crimson Keep, at the end of the combat phase, if any enemy models were slain by attacks made with melee weapons by a friendly Castellite Vampire unit in that phase, you can pick one of the relevant abilities to apply to that friendly unit for the rest of the battle. If more than one of the abilities could be applied to that unit, you must pick which ability it gains. A unit cannot gain the same ability more than once per battle. If the slain model was a hero or a monster, you can add one to the damage characteristic of that unit's melee weapons, excluding those of its mount. If the slain model has a wounds characteristic of three or more, and it was not a hero or a monster, you can add one to the attack characteristic of that unit's melee weapons, again excluding the mount. If the slain model had a wounds characteristic of two or less, add one to the unit's movement characteristic. 
With Masters of Retaliation, at the start of the hero phase, you can carry out this heroic action with a friendly Castellai vampire hero instead of any other ones you can carry out with that hero. If you use Master of Retaliation, pick one friendly Castellai vampire hero. Until the end of that turn, at the end of each phase, if any wounds or mortal wounds were allocated to that hero in that phase and the hero was not slain, roll a dice for each enemy unit within 3 inches of the hero. On a 2+, plus, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. The other ability is Battle Crazed, and at the end of the charge phase, you can carry out this monstrous rampage with a friendly Castellai monster instead of any other monstrous rampages you could carry out with that monster. If you pick Battle Crazed, add 1 to the wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by this unit in the following combat phase. Your three Castellai command traits are Swift and Deadly, Undead Blade Lord, and the Shifting Keep. Swift and Deadly, you can reroll charge rolls for friendly Castellai units while they're wholly within 12 inches of this general. Undead Blade Lord once per turn, if this general is on the battlefield when a friendly Castellai vampire unit gains an ability with the might of the Crimson Keep battle trait that this general has not already gained, this general gains the same ability. The other command trait is the Shifting Keep. During deployment, if this general is on the battlefield, instead of setting up a Castellai Blood Knight unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say it is set up in the Crimson Keep as a reserve unit. Now you can only set up one unit in the Crimson Keep for each unit you have set up on the battlefield. At the end of your movement phase, you can set up one or more of these reserve units in the Crimson Keep on the battlefield, wholly within 6 inches of the battlefield edge and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. Your three Castellai artifacts are the Gravesand Shards, the Fragments of the Keep and the Red Casket. Gravesand Shards, once per battle round, at the end of the Battleshock phase you can return one slain model to each friendly Castellai summonable unit wholly within 18 inches of the bearer. Fragment of the Keep, subtract 1 from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by enemy units within 3 inches of the bearer. And the Red Casket, add 3 to run rolls and charge rolls for the bearer. Finally, your Avangori Dynasty and starting with the battle traits, Cursed Abominations, once per turn at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly Avangori monster unit within 3 inches of an enemy unit. Until the end of that phase, use the top row of that unit's damage table, regardless of how many wounds that it's suffered. The other battle trait is the Titans of the Grave. At the end of the charge phase, you can carry out one of the monstrous rampages below by a friendly Avangori monster, instead of any other monstrous rampage you could carry out with them. Now there are two options, you've got the Maddening Hunger and the Unstoppable Nightmare. Maddening Hunger, pick up to D3 different enemy models within 1 inch of this unit and roll a dice. Do roll them separately for each model. If the roll is greater than that model's wounds characteristic, it's slain. And then with Unstoppable Nightmare, until the end of the following combat phase, the first time a different friendly Avangori unit within 6 inches of this unit is destroyed, this unit can fight immediately after the last slain model in the destroyed unit is removed from play. The Avangori command traits are Monstrous Might, Torment Driven Throws, or Unhinged Rampager. 
Monstrous might subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target friendly Avangori monsters wholly within 12 inches of this general. Torment driven throws at the start of the combat phase. You can roll a dice for each enemy unit within 3 inches of this general. On a 5 plus that unit suffers one mortal wound and the strike last effect applies to that unit until the end of the phase. Unhinged Rampager, you can re-roll charge rolls for this general. In addition, at the end of the shooting phase, if any wounds or mortal wounds were allocated to this general in that phase, and this general is more than 9 inches from all enemy units, this general can move up to d6 inches. Then your Avangori artifacts are the Breath of the Void Moor, Gulvar's Claw, and the Furious Crown. Breath of the Void Moor, once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within 6 inches of the bearer that's visible to them and roll a dice. On a 2+, that unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the roll. Gulvar's Claw, once per battle, at the start of the combat phase, you can say that the bearer will don Gorav's Claw. If you do so, the strike first effect applies to the bearer until the end of that phase. The Furious Crown, once per battle at the start of your charge phase, you can say that the bearer will unleash the Fury of the Crown. If you do so, after the bearer makes a charge move in that phase, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of the bearer and roll a number of dice equal to the charge roll for that charge move. For each four plus, that unit suffers one mortal wound. As expected, you've got grand strategies and battle tactics, but there are no core battalions for match play. Your grand strategies are Lust for Domination, Empires of Corpses, The Dance Macabre, and Crimson Larder. Lust for Domination, when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if you control more grave sites than your opponent. Control of grave sites is determined the same way as controlling objectives. Empire of Corpses, when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if you replaced three or more friendly summonable units that were destroyed during the battle. The Dance Macabre, when the battle ends, you complete the grand strategy if there are more friendly summonable units than enemy units wholly within enemy territory. And then the Crimson Larder, when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if there are no heroes from your opponent's starting army on the battlefield, and the only friendly heroes on the battlefield are vampires. If I'm picking a grand strategy from this list, it is likely Empire of Corpses, since my list is often full with summonable units, although you might like the Lust for Domination, or even pick something from the General's Handbook. While your battle tactics are the Callous Overlord, Cursed Unlife, the Grasping Dead, the Choicest Vintage, Expand the Grave Empires, and the Endless Nightmare. Callous Overlord, pick one friendly summonable unit more than three inches of all enemy units. You complete this tactic if that friendly unit is destroyed during this turn. Cursed Unlife, you complete this tactic if any wounds allocated to your general or to two other friendly vampire units are healed using the hunger ability during this turn. The Grasping Dead, pick one friendly summonable unit within three inches of any enemy units. You complete this tactic if that unit is within 3 inches of any enemy units at the end of this turn. The Choices Vintage, pick one enemy hero on the battlefield. You complete this tactic if that enemy hero is slain during this turn by an attack made by a friendly vampire hero. 
expand the grave empires. You complete this tactic if you control two or more objectives wholly outside your territory, and each of those objectives is contested by a friendly summonable or vampire unit. And finally, Endless Nightmares. Pick one friendly Soulblight Gravelord summonable unit on the battlefield. Complete this tactic if six or more slain models are returned to that unit during this turn. As I mentioned in the grand strategy list, because I run a lot of summonable units like skeletons and direwolves, I feel like most of these battle tactics are achievable and complement what I want to do on the tabletop anyway. Next up is the Bone Daddy himself, Nagash, the Supreme Lord of the Undead. There's been plenty of changes on Nagash. The move is now asterisk tied against the damage table. It used to start at 9. The save is still 3+, plus. the bravery is still 10, and he has 18 wounds. He's gained an extra 2 wounds. He has lost the gaze of Nagash, which was a shooting attack, and there has been a couple of changes in the melee profile. Alakanash is the same. Zephta Nabta is a 2-inch range, 4 attacks, hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, rend 2 for 3 damage. Now this attack used to be tied to the damage table and would start at a 6, uh, and it used to wound on a 4, but the rest is the same. And there's been a slight change to the Spectral Claws on Daggers. It used to hit on 3s, uh, it now hits on 4s. Speaking of the damage table, it has been changed. Uh, the, the damage table is now 0 to 9, 10 to 12, 13 to 15, and 16 plus. That's, that's going to affect a couple of things. I already mentioned the move, which will go from 10 to 9 to 8 to 7. The 9 books of Nagash will start at 8 spells if you are on 0 to 9. It'll then go down to 6, it'll go down to 5, and then go down to 4. The other thing that's tied to the damage table is the Invocation of Nagash. It starts at 24 inches when it's unwounded, or I guess up to 9 wounds suffered. It then goes to 18, it then goes to 12 inch range, and then finally it goes to 9. It's worth calling out that the Staff of Power is no longer tied to the damage table. That's the boost to casting, dispelling, and unbinding. It has moved to an ability on the War Scroll. So it's just not going to degrade as you take damage. To no surprise, Nagash is a wizard, and the number of spells Nagash can cast in your hero phase is determined by the nine books of Nagash that's in the damage table. This unit can also attempt to unbind any number of spells in the enemy hero phase, and if this unit is included in a Nighthorn, a Flesh Eater Quartz, an Ossiarch Bone Reapers, or a Soulblight Gravelord's Army, it knows all the spells from the spell law in that faction's allegiance in addition to any spells that it knows. Nagash is a War Master and can be included in Nighthaunt, Flesh Eater Quartz, Ossiarch Bone Reapers, or Soulblight Gravelord Armies. It's treated as a general, even if it's not the model picked to be the army's general. In addition, you can still use the army's allegiance abilities, even though this unit is not from the army faction. However, it's not going to benefit from them. Alakanash, the Staff of Power, is going to add 3 to the casting, dispelling, and unbinding roles for this unit. Invocation of Nagash at the start of your hero phase for each friendly summonable Morton or Ossiarch Bone Reaper unit that is wholly within range of this unit. We talked about it earlier in the damage table. You can heal either three wounds allocated to that unit, or if no wounds have been allocated to that unit, you can return a number of slain models to it that has a combined wounds characteristic of three or less. 
You're going to love this rule. Mordecane gives friendly death units wholly within 12 inches of this unit a ward of 5+. Hooray, Nagash has a ward. Supreme Lord of the Undead. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one friendly summonable Mortant or Ossiarch Bone Reapers unit with a wounds characteristic of 3 or less that has been destroyed and roll a dice. On a 3+, a replacement unit with half of the models in that unit that was destroyed, rounding up, is added to your army. Replacement units must be set up wholly within 12 inches of Nagash and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. Units set up in this way cannot move in the following movement phase. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once. Replacement units themselves cannot be replaced again. I mentioned earlier the nine books of Nagash will tell you how many spell casts, so eight, six, five, or four. Then there are two spells on the War Scroll, Hand of Dust and Soul Stealer. Hand of Dust is a spell with a casting value of eight and a range of three. If successfully cast, pick one enemy model within range and visible to the caster. Then take a dice and hide it in one of your hands or under one of two appropriate containers. If your opponent picks the hand holding the dice, the spell has no effect. If they pick the hand or the container that is empty, then the enemy model is slain. The other spell, Soul Stealer, is a spell with the casting value of 7 and a range of 24. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If the unmodified casting roll for this spell is a 9+, plus, and this spell is not unbound, the enemy unit suffers D6 mortal wounds instead of the D3. Now you can also heal up to one wound that has been allocated to the caster for each mortal wound caused by this spell that was not negated. Now Nagash's keywords is death, hero, monster, wizard, and Nagash. Though she is an elder of the Veercross dynasty, Ivia Volga spurs the company of her kin. Accompanied by her loyal swarm of bats, she ranges far and wide across the realms, testing her strength against the most ferocious creatures. Ivia Volgar is your new hero with a movement of 6 inches, a save of 4+, plus, a bravery of 10, and 6 wounds, coming in at 135 points. Ivia has no missile profile, but has two melee profiles. The heirloom axe has a range of 1, 5 attacks, hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, rend 1 for 2 damage. The needling fangs is a range of 1 inch, 2d6 attacks, Hits on fours, wounds on fours, rend one for one. Now those bat swarms are her companions and they are armed with the needling fangs. She has three abilities, the hunger, shrieking swarms and behemoth bane. With the hunger, each time this unit fights, after all of the attacks have been resolved, you can heal up to a number of wounds allocated to this unit, equal to the number of wounds or mortal wounds caused by those attacks that were allocated to enemy units. Shrieking Swarm, subtract 1 from hit rolls for attacks that target this unit. In addition, if this unit has any wounds allocated to it, the attack characteristic of this unit's needling fangs is 12 instead of 2d6. The last rule, Behemoth Bane, is Venas. If any enemy monsters are within 3 inches of this unit, this unit counts as 10 models for the purposes of contesting objectives. In addition, while an enemy monster is within 3 inches of this unit, the attack characteristic of that monster's melee weapon is 1. 
The keywords on Ivia is Death, Soulblight, Gravelords, Vampire, Veercross, Hero, and Ivia Volgar. She is also a unique hero. Manfred von Karstein has gained two extra wounds, so he's now a wounds profile of 14. The Geist 4 is now 5 attacks, Ren minus 2, and 2 damage, while the Spectral Claws hit on 4s. Manfred's damage table is now 0 to 7, 8 to 9, 10 to 11, and 12 plus. The Sword of Unholy Power has changed. Each time this unit fights, any wounds caused by the unit's Ebon Claws and Daggers must be allocated first, followed by the wounds caused by this unit's Geist 4. There's been a change to the Mortark of Night. The Strike First effect applies to this unit if it makes a charge move in the same turn. In addition, if this unit receives the Redeploy command, it can attempt to charge instead of making a D6 move. This used to be the rule that would let you teleport out of combat. The hunger has changed, and each time this unit fights, after all the attacks have been resolved, you can heal up to a number of wounds caused by those attacks that were allocated to enemy units to a maximum of 6. So he now heals immediately after he fights instead of the end of the combat phase, and he can heal up to 6 wounds instead of 3. He did lose Frightful Touch, Vigor of Undeath, and Invigorating Aura, but he has gained the War Master ability in Soulblight Gravelords. Not to be outdone, Neferata has also gained two extra wounds, so she is 14 wounds characteristic as well. Akmet Hare is a 3 plus to hit, it used to be a 2, but it is now Rend minus 2. And the Akin Seth is 3 attacks, used to be 2. The damage profile and the War Master abilities is the same that I just spoke about with Manfred. There's been a change to Mortark of Blood. At the end of deployment, before determining control of objectives, you can pick up to three friendly Legion of Blood units on the battlefield. First, remove this unit from the battlefield and set it up again wholly within your territory. Then remove those friendly Legion of Blood units from the battlefield and set them up again wholly within your territory. This used to be a D6 heal if it killed a model, but she's also gained the hunger now. Her hunger is the same one that's on Manfred's profile, so that will let you heal up to 6 wounds immediately after she has fought and slain models. There's been a change in Twilight's Allure. It's the same ability, except it no longer costs you a command point. So it's that same rule of minus 1 to hit wholly within 12 inches of her. There's been a minor change to Dark Mist, and you've got to pick one friendly Legion of Blood unit as the target. It used to be a pick one Soulblight Gravelords unit. Neferata also lost Frightful Touch and Invigorating Aura, and anybody who had those two rules, you'll see them removed off the War Scrolls as well. Prince Vordry has also gained two wounds, so Vordry is now 16 wounds, and the damage table is 0 to 6, 7 to 9, 10 to 12, and 13 plus. He did lose the Breath of Shayish, which was at 3 plus to do a couple of mortal wounds, but has gained Pestiential Breath. It's a range of 12, d6 attacks, hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, rend 1 for 3 damage. There's been a change in the Bloodlands, it's now 5 attacks, so it's gained an extra attack. The Snapping Maw is Ren minus 3, so it used to be minus 2, and it's now flat 3 damage where it used to be D6. Prince Vordry is also a War Master in Soulblight Gravelords, it used to just be in the Castellai Dynasty. 
There's been a change in Fist of Nagash. Once per turn, if this unit is on the battlefield, when a friendly Castellai Vampire unit gains the ability from the Might of the Crimson Keep Battle Trait, you can pick one other friendly Castellai Vampire unit wholly within 24 inches of this unit that has not already gained that ability and that has not gained any other abilities with the Might of the Crimson Keep Battle Trait in this turn. Now that unit gains the same ability, this used to be fight in the hero phase command ability, so you'll probably miss that one. There's been a change in the Bloodlands. It's now rend minus three and damage three on the charge. He did lose the Chalice of Blood, which was at once per battle heal of D6 wounds. But you did gain the Hunger, which is the same as Manfred. You've had a change in Quick Blood, which is a spell with a casting value of seven. If successfully cast, the strike first effect applies to the caster until your next hero phase. That used to be a plus one to hit and plus one to wound for the caster. You've also gained Terror. Now enemy units cannot receive the Inspiring Presence command while they're within three inches of any friendly units with this ability. Next up is your Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon who also gained two extra wounds, now 16 wounds. The damage table is 0 to 6, 7 to 8, 9 to 11 and 12 plus. There's been a change in Pestiential Breath, range 12, D6 attacks, hits on 3s, wounds on 3s, Ren 1 for 3 damage. It used to be a shorter range attack, you would only get 1 attack, but that 1 attack used to be Ren minus 3 and D6 damage. So you should consistently get more damage from your Zombie Dragon Breath, but it's going to be better against lower save troops. The Death Lance is the same as Vordry, so it's Ren minus 3 and damage 3 on the charge. There's also been a change in the Vampiric Sword. It's 5 attacks and damage 2. It used to be a 4 attacks and D3 damage. The Snapping Maw is Rend minus 3 and 3 damage. Used to be Rend minus 2 for D6 damage. There's been a change in the Curse of Exanguation. It's a spell with the casting value of 7 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick 1 enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Now that unit suffers 1 mortal wound. If that mortal wound is allocated to the model in that unit and the model is not slain by that mortal wound, roll a dice. On a 3+, plus, that model suffers one mortal wound, and you can roll another dice if that mortal wound is allocated to the model is not slain. Keep rolling in this way until no mortal wounds are caused, the mortal wound is negated, or the model is slain. The casting value has gone up, but you used to do mortal wounds on a 4+, plus, so I guess this is an improvement. You did lose the Pestiential Breath ability, which was an automatic hit if you rolled a dice and that dice roll was less than the number of mortal wounds in the unit. And you also lost Invigorating Aura. But you did gain the Hunger, and it is the same as what I've said to you about Manfred. Next up is Lucavi, and her War Master has changed. She is now a War Master in Soul Black Gravelords, not just in Avangori Dynasty. The Ascorga Rapier is now a 5 attacks, it used to have 4, and Ren minus 2, it only used to have Ren minus 1. The Gore Drenched Talons is 3 plus to hit, 2 plus to wound, Ren minus 2, and flat 3 damage. There's been a change in the Queen Amongst Monsters. Once per turn at the end of the charge phase, you can pick one friendly Avangori monster wholly within 12 inches of this unit. You can carry out two different monstrous rampages with that monster in that phase instead of one. 
This used to be a hero phase command that would give you plus one to hit against a target enemy unit. She lost Champion of the Avangori, which would deal mortal wounds on the charge. She lost Undeniable Impulse, which was that hero phase dice roll to see if she would run and charge. But if she did run and charge, you couldn't use command abilities. You also lost Death's Downpour and Invigorating Aura. She too gained the Hunger, which is the same as Manfred and every vampire we've spoken about so far. She also gained the Queen's Dictate. It's a spell with the casting value of 6 and a range of 24. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within range and visible to the caster. Until your next hero phase, friendly Avangori monsters are eligible to fight in the combat phase if they're within 6 inches of that enemy unit instead of 3 inches, and they can move an extra 3 inches when they pile in. With the Avangorian Lord, Gore Drenched Talons now hits on a 3+, plus, Wounds on a 2+, plus, Ren minus 2, and 3 damage flat. The Impaling Tail is now Ren minus 1. Festering Feast, once per turn at the end of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly Soulblight Gravelord's monster that is not a hero, that is wholly within 12 inches of this unit, and that has destroyed any enemy units in that phase. You can heal all wounds allocated to that monster. This used to be a command ability that only let you heal up to d6 wounds, but it wasn't restricted to being monster keyword. There's been a change to its hunger, and it's the same as Manfred. It also lost Undeniable Impulse. It also lost the Clotted Deluge, and it lost Invigorating Aura. It did gain Cursed Reflection. It's a spell that has a casting value of 5 and a range of 24. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Soulblight Gravelord's monster, wholly within range and visible to the caster. That unit can use the Hunger ability from the caster's War Scroll until your next hero phase. Redikar the Wolf's movement is now a 6-inch move, it used to be 5, and is now 6 wounds where it used to be 7. The Veercross Barrow Blade is now 5 attacks and 2 damage, it used to be 4 attacks at D3 damage. Loyal to the Last has changed. If this unit is within 3 inches of a friendly Kosaji Nightguard unit, before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to this unit, or instead of making a ward roll for a wound or a mortal wound that would be allocated to this unit, you can roll a dice. On a 3+, plus, that wound or mortal wound is allocated to that friendly unit instead of this unit. The language has been cleaned up a little bit, but the ability used to be on a 2+, plus, I believe. Call to the Hunt has changed, and in the combat phase, if this unit made a charge move in the same turn, add one to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly Veercross summonable units while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Now, this used to be a command point, and the range used to be 18 inches. The Hunger has changed, and surprise, surprise, it's the same as Manfred. Though Radikar did lose Invigorating Aura and Supernatural Strength. Radikar the Beast Bloodsickle Claws is now Rend minus 2. The Piercing Blades are damaged too. Supernatural Reflexes, you subtract 1 from Hit and Wound Rolls. It used to only be Hit Rolls that target this model. Call to the Hunt is the same as Radika the Wolf. The Hunger is the same as Manfred. Redica the Beast is no longer treated as the general in a Veercross dynasty, and you've also lost the Mustering Howl. But you did gain the Beast Will Out. 
This unit cannot retreat. However, at the end of any phase, if any wounds or mortal wounds were allocated to this unit in that phase, and this unit is more than 12 inches from all enemy units, this unit can make a move up to D6 inches. Biladama Volga has had a couple of changes. Her Time Sworn Scimitar is now 4 attacks and damage 2. Used to be 3 attacks and D3 damage. Under a Killing Moon is a spell that has a casting value of 6 and a range of 24. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon by a friendly Veercross unit wholly within range of the caster is a 6, that attack scores 2 hits on the target instead of 1. Make a wound and a save roll for each hit. Belladama is also a war master in Soulblight Gravelords, not just in Veercross Dynasty. You guessed it, Belladama has the same hunger as Manfred. She did lose Pack Alpha, which was a command ability that let direwolves pile in six inches. But spoiler alert, uh, direwolves can now just pile in six inches regardless. Gorslav the Gravekeeper is now a movement of 5 inches. The Gravekeeper's spade is 5 attacks, 3's to hit. Uh, it used to be 3 attacks, 4's to hit, D3 damage. There's been a change in the Keeper of the Corpse Garden, and that is passing wounds and mortal wounds on a 2+, plus to Veercross Deathwalker zombie units within 3 inches. It used to pass off the wounds on a 4+. plus. There's also been a change in Arise Arise, once per turn at the end of your movement phase, you can pick one friendly Veercross Deathwalker zombie unit that have been destroyed. A new replacement unit with half of the models from the unit that was destroyed rounding up is added to your army. Now replacement units must be set up wholly within 9 inches from all enemy units. Each destroyed unit can only be replaced once and replacement units themselves cannot be replaced. Torgillus the Chamberlain has gained Necrotizing Bolts. It's a missile attack. It's range 18, 2d6 attacks, hits on 4s, wounds on 4s, rend 1 for 2 damage. There's been a change in Trusted Lieutenant. Friendly Veercross summonable units have a ward of 5+, plus, while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Uh, it used to gain you an extra command point on a 4+. Plus. You did lose Mastery of the Gravesands, which was a 4+, plus ward. And Necrotizing Bolt was an ability, so now it's just become a shooting profile. And you also lost Invigorating Aura. Watch Captain Halgrim's Cursed Halberds is now 5 attacks, hits on 3s, and damage 2. And the Cursed Halberd also used to have an ability. That's also changed, where unmodified 6s to hit cause 2 mortal wounds in addition to any other damage. That used to only be 1 mortal wound. You've also had a change in Disciplined Advance. This unit can issue at the double command up to three times to friendly Veercross Death Rattle units in the same phase. If it does so, no command points are spent the second and third time this unit issues the command in that phase. The Veercross Bloodborne has had a change in its Piercing Claws, which is two damage now. It used to be D3. Shadowfast has changed, and after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can move this unit up to 10 inches. If both players can move units before the first battle round begins, they must roll off and the winner chooses who moves their unit first. This used to be a 5 plus ward. 
you've gained a rule called vampiric agility and when this unit makes a move it can pass across terrain features in the same manner as if it could fly it also gained the hunger which is the same rule as everybody else but given that it's got a wounds characteristic of three you're only ever going to heal up a maximum of two With the Vaskare, there's been a change in the Gaping Maw. It's D3 attacks and 2 damage. It used to only be 1 attack and D3 damage. It did lose the Gnarled Hide, which was a 5-up ward, and it's gained the Hunger, the same as Manfred. The Koskagi Night Guard have done some track and field training because their movement is now 8 inches. It used to only be 5, and they have a save of 4+, where it used to be a 5+. There's also been a change in a pact maintained. You get to add plus one attack when it's in range of Radikar the Beast and Radikar the Wolf. It used to only be Radikar the Wolf. It's the same range, which is wholly within 12 inches. Lady Annika's had a change in her Blade Proboshin. It's five attacks with two damage. It used to be four attacks and D3 damage. There's been a change in Supernatural Speed. This unit has a ward of four plus. And during deployment, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it's set up in ambush as a reserve unit. Now, if you do so at the end of your movement phase, you can set up this unit anywhere within enemy territory and more than nine inches from all enemy units. So you have kept the four plus ward, but you've gained this new ambushing rule. Kiss of the Blade Proboshin has also changed. At the end of any phase, if any wounds caused by attacks made with this unit's Blade Proboshin in that phase were allocated to an enemy hero or monster, and that enemy unit has not been destroyed, worsen the save characteristic of that unit by 1 to a minimum of 6+, plus for the rest of the battle. This ability used to let Lady Annika heal all her wounds if she slayed a model. However, fear not, she has gained the hunger, just like Manfred, but she also is no longer treated as general in a Veercross dynasty. Kritz's Norblade has changed to be 5 attacks, 2 damage, used to be 4 and D3. Scurrying Retreat has changed. In the combat phase, when you pick this unit to fight, you can say that it will make a Scurrying Retreat. If you do so, this unit retreats instead of fighting. This is basically a Skaven rule that you'd find on Master Moldar. It used to be a rule that would let you return uh, the model back on a 4 plus when it was slain. Now you can just get out of combat. Kritzer is no longer treated as the general in a Veercross dynasty and has also lost the nauseating aroma, which was a minus one to be hit in melee. They've gained the Hunger, which is the same as Manfred, and they've also gained the Verminous Court. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit that has an artifact of power and roll a dice. On a 3+, that artifact of power can no longer be used, and if it is used to enhance a weapon, that weapon reverts to its normal form. Looking over Kato's War Scroll, I noticed no changes. The Hunger is already that improved version that you see now on every other Vampire War Scroll, and everything on the profile seems to be the same. Your Vampire Lord's Dynastic War Relic is now 5 attacks and 2 damage. It used to be 4 and D3. You're probably seeing this common theme now across all of your different Vampire attacks. Crimson Feast has changed once per turn. At the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly Soulblight Gravelord summonable unit wholly within 12 inches of this unit. 
Add one to the attack characteristic of that unit's melee weapons until the end of that phase. The same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per phase. This was a command ability, so now when you issue the Crimson Feast, that unit can also benefit from all-out attack or all-out defense if you choose to issue it. There's also been a change in the Hunger, like every other one we've spoken about, and it too lost Invigorating Aura. Blood Knight's Lance or Blade attack has changed. It's now 2 range and rend minus 2, which is an improvement from range 1 and rend minus 1. The wording on Riders of Ruin have changed. It's basically the same rule, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've kept it up there in case it is important to you at a later stage. And its hunger has also changed like everyone else, so you're going to be able to heal immediately after you fight, rather than at the end of the combat phase. There's been a change in the Vargite's Death Descent, and the following text has been removed on the new War Scroll. At the start of the fourth battle round, any models that are still in reserve are slain, so you can set them up in reserve, but it seems to have no restriction on when you can bring them onto the battlefield. They have also gained the hunger, like everyone else. With the Escorgan True Blades, it appears that their War Scroll has not been modified in the new Battle Tome, and they are as per the AOS app. Next up, the Bloodseeker Palaquin. The Whale of the Damned is no longer a missile profile, it's just an ability on the War Scroll. It starts at a 16 inch range. It still does the D3 mortal wounds within 4 inches of its range. The Bloodletting Blade is the same attack profile now of every other small minor vampire. It's 5 attacks and does 2 damage, no longer the 4 attacks and D3 damage. Uh, the Spectral Claws is now hitting on 4s where it used to hit on 5s. The damage table on the Palaquin is now 0 to 6, 7 to 8, 9 to 10, and 11 plus. It lost the Frightful Touch, a fine vintage, and invigorating aura. But you've gained a rule called a Promising Concoction. The first time an enemy hero is slain by an attack made by this unit, for the rest of the battle add 1 to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used by friendly vampire units, while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. And you can carry out two different heroic actions with this unit at the start of the hero phase instead of one. With the Mortis Engine, the Whale of the Damned, and the Damage Table, and the Spectral Claws, the change is exactly the same as what I spoke about on the Bloodseeker Palaquin. The Mortis Staff has changed to now wound on 4s and does 2 damage. It used to wound on 3s and do d3 damage. The Reliquy has changed and each time a friendly Soulblight Gravelord's Wizard successfully casts a spell that is not unbound, unbinds a spell or dispels an endless spell, place one Reliquy counter besides this unit to a maximum of 6. Once per battle in your hero phase, you can say that this unit will unleash the energies of the Reliquy. If you do so, each enemy unit within 6 inches of this unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the number of Reliquy counters besides the unit. It's still a once per battle ability, but you'll now need to power it up, and there is no chance of failure because you used to have to roll it on a 2+, so I guess it has more damage potential than the previous D3, but it is shorter range with it formerly being 12 inches. You lost Frightful Touch and Bound Necromancer, so it no longer gives you plus one casting within 12 inches. 
and it's gained the nexus of death energy. Each time you pick a friendly Soulblight Gravelord summonable unit wholly within 12 inches of this unit using the Deathly Invocation battle trait, you can either heal up to D3 plus 3 wounds allocated to that unit instead of 3, or if no wounds have been allocated to that unit, you can return a number of slain models to it with a combined wounds characteristic of D3 plus 3 or less instead of the 3 or less. The Coven Throne's damage table and spectral claws is the same as the Bloodseek or Palaquin. The Stiletto attacks is 5 attacks and 2 damage. The Needle Sharp Poignons no longer is tied to the damage table. It's 6 attacks at Rend minus 1. There's a change in the Scrying Pool, and if you take the first turn in the current battle round, this unit can attempt to cast 1 extra spell in your hero phase. If you take the second turn in the current battle round, you receive one extra command point. This used to be a once per turn reroll hit wound or save roll ability. Tactical insight has changed and this unit can issue the same command up to two times in the same phase. If it does so, each command must be received by a friendly Soulblight Gravelord summonable unit. No command point is spent the second time this issues the command in that phase. The hunger has changed to be the same as we've spoken about throughout this entire video. It lost Predatory Bite, Frightful Touch, and the Shudder spell, but it gained a new spell called the Undying Servitude. It's a spell with a casting value of 7 and a range of 12. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within range and visible to the caster. Now that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. If that hero is slain by that spell, before removing the hero from play, you can add one Vampire Lord to your army. Set up that unit within three inches of a slain hero, and then remove the slain hero from play. With the Zombie Dragon, the Pestiential Breath has changed. It's now range of 12, d6 attacks, 3 plus 2 wound, Ren minus 1 for 3 damage. The Snapping Maw is Ren minus 3 and 3 damage. The damage table is 0 to 6, 7 to 8, 9 to 11, and 12 plus. It did lose the Pestiential Breath ability, the same as the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon lost it, and that was an auto hit with a bunch of conditions tied to it. It also gained the Terror ability, and enemy units cannot receive the Inspiring Presence command while they're within 3 inches of any friendly units with this ability. It also gained a rule I absolutely love called the Loathsome Descent. During deployment, instead of setting up this unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it's circling above high as a reserve unit. Now if you do so, at the end of your movement phase, you can set this unit up on the battlefield more than 9 inches from all enemy units. The Terrorgeist is mostly unchanged, but there were a few tweaks. The Skeletal Claws is now range 3 and 2 damage. It used to be range 2 and D3 damage. And the damage table is now 0 to 6, 7 to 8, 9 to 11, and 12 plus. The White King's Baleful Tomb Blade is now 5 attacks and 2 damage. Used to be 4 and D3. The Beheading Strike has changed, and if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with the Baleful Tomb Blade is a 6, that attack causes two mortal wounds to the target in addition to any damage it inflicts. It used to only do one mortal wound. 
it did lose the Lord of Bones ability, but it did gain the Lord of the Shambling Bones. Once per turn, at the start of your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Death Rattle Skeleton unit or Graveguard unit wholly within 12 inches of this unit until your next hero phase. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by that unit is a 6, that attack scores 2 hits on the target instead of 1. Make a wound roll and a save roll for each hit. The ability that this is replaced is it used to let you re-roll ones for Death Rattle. Uh, it used to be a command point, so it would clash with all that attack or all that defense. Uh, but also re-rolls are being kind of replaced from the game. So no surprise that it's turned into something a little bit different. With the White King on Skeletal Steed, the Tomb Lance is now 5 attacks and 2 damage. It lost the Deathly Charge and the Lord of Bones ability, but it gained the Lord of the Trampling Bones. You can re-roll charge rolls for friendly Black Knight units wholly within 12 inches of this unit. In addition, if a friendly Black Knight unit finishes a charge move wholly within 12 inches of this unit, the effect of its Deathly Charge ability is triggered on a 4+, instead of a 5+. So what's changed with the Black Knights and their Deathly Charge? After this unit makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit, if you do so, roll two dice for each model in this unit. For each five plus, that target model suffers one mortal wound. It used to be D3 mortal wounds on a two plus. I think you only rolled one dice though. So, so I guess you want to be running that White King on Skeletal Steed if you want to make the most of your Black Knights. The Grave Guard's Great White Blade is now range of two and a three plus to hit and a four plus to wound. This was range one. The hit and the wound profiles have swapped. So you'll probably get more attacks through when you issue all that attack because it'll bring the profile from to threes to threes rather than the old profile, which would be twos and fours. Uh, and it probably should trigger a couple of extra cursed weapon mortal wounds. There's also been a change in the crypt shields and it now changes the save characteristic to a four plus, which is going to get more out of all that defense. The Necromancer's Mortar Staff is now 4 plus to hit, 4 plus to wound, and damage 2. It's gotten a little worse, but that makes sense because they're a Necromancer. There's been a change in Undead Minions. Now you pass on wounds and mortal wounds on a 4 plus. It's still tied to Soulblight Gravelord summonable units within 3 inches, but it used to be on a 3 plus. There's been a tweak in Van Hale's Dance Macabre. It's a spell with a casting value of 6 and a range of 18. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Soul Black Gravelord summonable unit wholly within range, visible to the caster and within 3 inches of an enemy unit. Now that unit can immediately fight. So this has gone from a fight twice in the combat phase to a hero phase fight where you can get around all that defense and monstrous rampages and unlock yourself out of combat before you go into the movement phase if you kill that unit obviously in the hero phase. Uh, the Necromancer also lost Invigorating Aura. Deadwalker Zombies have now got a 6 plus save. I don't believe they had a save before. Their crude weapons have 2 attacks, 4 plus to wound. It was 1 attack and a 5 plus to wound. There's been a change in the drag down and torn apart. Roll a dice each time a model in this unit is slain by an attack made with a melee weapon. On a 5 plus, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound. Now this used to give you a 6 inch pile in. There's also been a change in the newly dead. 
at the end of the combat phase, you can roll a dice for each enemy model that was slain by wounds caused by this unit's attacks in that phase. For each 2+, you can add one Deathwalker zombie model to this unit. You have lost the ability to deal mortal wounds on unmodified hits of 6, but there is another way to access this via the corpse cart that we'll get to in a moment. And that moment is now. The corpse cart has got a merge war scroll, so it no longer has a separate profile for the brazier or the lodestone. It's just one war scroll. If you choose the unholy lodestone, you get plus one to your casting rolls. And if you choose the brazier, you get minus one to casting rolls for enemy wizards within 12 inches. It used to be 18 inch aura. Locus of Undeath has changed. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made by a friendly Deathwalker zombie unit wholly within 12 inches of any friendly unit with this ability is a 6, that attack causes one mortal wound to the target unit in addition to any damage it would inflict. This used to give you plus 1 save to your zombies, but you've already got the save boost on the characteristic, so really you're taking this because you want those mortal wounds. And you have lost the Malefic Fumes ability. If you're a fan of the 6-inch pylin and you think you're going to miss it deeply, well, you're going to like Direwolves. It's lost the Slavering Charge, which used to give you plus 1 to hit when you made a charge, but you have gained a rule called On the Hunt. This unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it is within 6 inches of an enemy unit instead of 3 inches, and it can move an extra 3 inches when it piles in. So this used to be on the zombie profile, it's now on the direwolf profile. The Felbats have had a couple of changes. The Elongated Fangs is now 2 damage, it used to be 1. The Single-Minded Ferocity has changed, and you add this additional text. In addition, at the end of any phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds caused by this unit's attacks in that phase, add 1 to the attack characteristic of this unit's Elongated Fangs for the rest of the battle. They can still retreat and charge in the same turn. It's just gained this extra rule. It's also gained the hunger. I'm not going to repeat myself. You know what it does by now. Death Rattle Skeletons have had a couple of nice changes. The champion is now plus one attack. Uh, although the champion did lose its special weapon profile, which really wasn't that special. The Ancient Blades and Spears now hit on 4s and wound on 3s. This profile has swapped that used to be hitting on 3s and wounding on 4s. At the start of the combat phase, roll a dice for each slain model from this unit. On a 4+, you can return one slain model to this unit. It is a similar rule to what you used to have, except now it triggers at the start of the combat phase, rather than after this unit has been picked to fight. So you're probably going to get more value from this unit, especially if you have other units that want to fight before the skeletons. Now you can regrow those skellies uh, and then fight at maximum potential. You've also gained a rule called Tide of Bones and Blades. Improve the Ren characteristic of this unit's melee weapons by one. If the number of models in this unit is greater than the number of models in the target unit, so this rule and the Skeleton Legion is really going to reward you from reinforcing and probably even double reinforcing your Skeleton unit. King Morlock Melnor and his friends are the same as what they are in the AOS app. While Dentalos the Exiled has had a change, the Terrible Diasmed and the Channel Diasmed are changed to be the target keyword is from used to be Archwalkers, now it's changed to the Exiled Dead, which is the friends that come with Dentalos. 
Then Talos has also gained the hunger, the same as everyone else. There's been a change in the champion. It's now plus one to casting and unbinding for friendly Dentalos the Exiled, if it includes the Prentos Markov. The unit champion used to be a wizard. It no longer is a wizard, which means that it lost the uh, Necrotic Curse, which used to be the spell that it had on the War Scroll. Uh, and the Regalus is no longer three wounds. The Sepulchral Guard is now two wounds, so it's gained an extra wound each, uh, and the Warden is now three wounds. It's had some minor changes across the weapons profile, and it's gained some extra text. In addition, this unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it's within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three inches, and it can move an extra three inches when it piles in, so they still get their reroll to charges too. Prince Duval's Possessed Blades is now 5 attacks, you've gained an extra attack, the change is the same in the Hunger, you've lost Invigorating Aura, and you've gained a new rule called Come Then Amuse Us. At the start of the combat phase, if this unit and any friendly Crimson Court models are within 3 inches of the same enemy unit, your opponent must pick one of the following effects and apply it until the end of that phase. The two options are improve the Ren characteristic of this unit's possessed blades by one, or this unit cannot be picked as the target for attacks made with melee weapons. When you look at the Crimson Court, they are now three wounds each. They were one, which is a massive glow up, while Gorath the Enforcer is now four wounds. There's also been a couple of minor melee profile tweaks, and they've also had a tweak in the hunger. It's the same as everyone else. So you probably noticed from the length of this video that there has been a bunch of War Scroll tweaks and plenty of War Scroll improvements, so you'll see the points have also changed. There has been some points discounts in Kato and the Deathwalker zombies going down 5 points. The Corpse Cart, Manfred, Radica the Wolf and the Vampire Lord went down 10. The Coven Throne went down 15. Dentalos and friends with Radica the Beast and also the Veercross Bloodborne have gone down 20 points. Belladama went down 30 points and the Necromancer went down 40 points. But it's not all good news and discounts because there were also plenty of things that went up. The Death Rattle Skeletons went up 5. The Black Knights and Prince Vordry went up 10. The Fell Bats and the Vargeist went up 15. Lady Attica, Lukavai, Prince Duval, the Terrorgeist, the Sepatura Guard, the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon all went up 20 points. Blood Knights, Krista, and the Zombie Dragon went up 30 points. Torgillus, the Chamberlain, went up 35 points. Gorslav, Neferada, and the Watch Captain Halgrim all went up 40 points. The White King went up 45 points. The Mortis Engine and the White King on Skeletal Steed went up 50 points. The Bloodseeker Palaquin went up 60 points. And Nagash, Supreme Lord of the Undead, went up 60 points. If you missed it, uh, the new hero, the Ivia Volga, the Outcast, is 135 points. Your allies remain as Flesh Eater Quartz and Nighthaunt. If you're wondering what your battle line options are, your dead walker zombies, your death rattle skeletons, and your dire wolves will always be battle line regardless of what sub-faction you choose in Soul Black Gravelords. 
while there are plenty of things to unlock, your Terrorgeist and your Zombie Dragon are battle line in your Avangori armies. Your Vargeist are battle line in Avangori or Legion of Night armies. Your Black Knights are battle line in Legion of Blood. Your Blood Knights are battle line in Castellai. Felbats are battle line in the Legion of Night. And your Graveguard are battle line if your General is a White King. Phew, there is a lot going on here in this updated Battle Tome. You've seen an improvement in the Legion's abilities that allows you to regenerate summonable heroes. There's a bunch of new abilities through the Cursed Legions like new heroic actions, monstrous rampages, and general rules. There's a lot more healing across your vampires. Your zombie dragon can now come in from reserve as a deep strike unit. Skeletons regenerate at the start of combat. Uh, Ivia Volgar is certainly an interesting hero that can really punish monsters. Though you have lost a bunch of spells from like Pinions and Overwhelming Dread and Decrepify, Manfred losing the teleport out of combat. There probably was a well-deserved redesign of the zombies who were just clearly overshadowing your direwolves and your skeletons because they've lost their abilities or are going to require extra units to synergize and give them the same rules that they used to have in the past. Your grand strategies and your battle tactics seem achievable. Nagash got a ward but now is almost a thousand points, was it 1965 or something, which is massive amount of points from your army. And this is just to name a few. You know I'm going to go deeper into this faction with some experienced players in the near future. So in the meantime, I want you to let me know in the comment section, what are you thinking so far? Was there a War Scroll change that makes you now want to include them in your army? Was the Zombie Dragon uh, without the Vampire Lord on it now tempting you for a Deep Strike option? Are you like me and a big fan of Skeletons and now you're thinking about including them in your army? I always did in my Legion of Night, to be honest, but... Being able to regenerate in combat now uh, at the start of combat makes me want to really reinforce them up as many as I can, uh, as well as like, is there things that you've pulled out from your army that you're no longer a fan of? Let me know in the comment section. I'd be curious to hear from you what your thoughts are in the video, and I look forward to seeing you in the upcoming streams about Soul Black Grave Lords. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spellcast.